Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Helen, the owner of Helen's Wines in Los Angeles. Helen's Wines is a little gem box wine shop located in the back of a restaurant called John and Vinny's. We have two locations in LA, one on Fairfax, one in Brentwood. Check us out. And this is my podcast, Wine Face. Wine Face is the wild ride where we're breaking down everything you need to know about the wine scene today. What to drink, what does it mean, a little education, the who's who and the what's what to make it all a little bit more digestible and maybe a little more pleasant, not so snobby. Today, we are breaking down one of my favorite grape varietals because it's great. Tone of the Tiger, great. It's like Frosted Flakes. I was not allowed to eat Frosted Flakes as a child. Um, I was on uh, not like my mom's terrible. It was just we were only allowed to have sugary cereal on two occasions if we were really sick and if we were traveling, <laughs> which is amazing. So I would always be like lucky charms whenever I get the chance. Um, and at my house, it was like these really crunchy natural cereals, which are really cool now. But back when I was a kid, they were not that cool. And my friends were like, we don't really want to go to your house because you have bad snacks. But I was like, but I got a cool house, so whatever. Anyway, today we're talking about Chenin Blanc, one of my favorite grape varietals. I can't speak enough volumes. I could write manuscripts and love letters and sonnets to this grape. But let's just break it down. Chenin Blanc. A lot of times people think it's related to Sauvignon Blanc. It's not. They think it's related to all these other white wine grapes. It's not. I mean, all grapes are technically kind of a third cousin, but Chenin Blanc is its own thing. Every spring, like especially when it hits the equinox, I always start thinking about this grape varietal and I start craving this flavor that is in the wine. It's really like this mellifluous, honey-coated limestone, fresh, like fresh with a little puckery of like a preserved lemon. They have body to them as well. So you sort of are enveloped most of the time when you're drinking a Chenin Blanc in this amazing mouthfeel. And what I always like to say is it's the white wine haters, white wine. Now I'm not a white wine hater. I love all different flavors, shades. I am not bias. Okay. I do have my preferences and they usually change with the pendulum of the seasons, but 
for all intents and purposes, I have turned many a white wine hater into a white wine lover with my best friend, Chenin Blanc. Now, some people say it, like my friend Ashley Stryker will say, for a long time she called it Chenin. And then I was at an event the other night and this woman kept coming up to order the Chenin Blanc for me or get another glass. And she kept saying, Chenin Blanc, could I have a glass of Chenin Blanc. And I really liked, enjoyed it every time she said it because she kind of tilted her head back and did this like, I don't know, she was like a, a mummy in a tomb, like some cool sculpture, Chenin Blanc. But anyway, it's Chenin Blanc and it's really, really well known in probably through four different areas of growing. They don't really grow it outside of these four areas. I mean, maybe in like some freak parcels. Top producer of Chenin Blanc is South Africa. Uh, second runner up is France, third runner up, the USA and fourth runner up is Argentina. I really only dip my toes into Chenin Blanc. That's from France or the United States. However, I'm not a hater. It's, it's just, I haven't had any Chenin Blanc from South Africa. That's like moved me a lot. They also have a tendency to do a excessive amount of new oak aging on the Chenin Blanc, which to me... I feel like it kind of crushes its spirit and like pierces its soul. So if you ask me, Shannon Blanc does not need any new oak aging. It really has this dynamic character that captures my heart. And what's so exciting about it is it's super unpredictable and it's very malleable depending on two things. The location where it's planted, so what the terroir is like in that area, and how long the grape is allowed to ripen. This can change the flavor, the color, and the sweetness depending on those two factors. So for instance, you could pour a glass of Chenin Blanc and it could be straw yellow, just like, or star bright, just like pale and kind of greenish and looking very, very clean. And then you could also pour a glass and it could be like deep golden, like a little golden cherubic statue with a little love bow that's going to, that cherub's going to get you. Okay. It's Cupid. Better watch your back. Got a Chenin Blanc love Cupid coming right at you. But I love that you can have that dichotomy and depending on how long the grape is ripening on the vine for what kind of style of Chenin Blanc someone wants to produce, there's a range of fruit components that you get from the aromatics. So, So it can go from passion fruit to apple to pear to peach. It really depends on the ripeness of the fruit. And it's just such a cool kind of roller coaster ride to go on. Chenin Blanc is often also called the chameleon. It's kind of got this little AKA street name, the chameleon. And part of that reason is because it can change so much depending on what the soil is and how long the grapes ripen on the vine. So much so that not only the color and the fruit characteristics can change, but the sweetness level can change as well. So Chenin Blanc can be dry, it can be off dry, it can be sweet, and it can be sparkling. Now, for those of you who don't know, when you say off dry, it means that it's semi-sweet. So it's like 50% dry, 50% sweet. And that doesn't mean that they like took like a dry wine and a sweet wine and blended it together necessarily. It means that that is how much they let the grapes ripen to that higher level of sweetness. There's a thing called botrytis. Let's just do a sidebar. When you have a truly sweet sparkling or truly sweet white wine in general, 
part of what happens is that people leave the grapes on the vine for longer than they usually would if they were making a dry white wine. And they let the sugar increase inside the grape. And if they want the sugar to increase exponentially, they get let the grapes go through a process called botrytis. And it's actually that the grapes are rotting on the vine. But that's when they make that good, good, sweet, sweet juice juice. So if that's the style of wine you want to drink, knock yourself out. Chenin Blanc makes killer sparkling wines. They're usually a Cremant or a Petiant Naturel. Um, and they're usually pretty dry. I, I haven't often had a sweet sparkling wine, but I suppose someone could make one. So Cremants, again, are wines that are made in the method of champagne, but made in different areas of France. So for example, the most common place you would find a sparkling wine that was made from Chenin Blanc would be the Loire Valley, which is where Chenin Blanc reigns queen. And we'll get into that in a second. So that would be a Cremant de Loire. Or you could find a Petiant Naturel made in all over different parts of France, but usually it would also be concentrated into that Loire Valley area because, again, this is where, you know, Chenin Blanc is game to play and is paid to play. I don't know what the little phrase is, but it's, it's the bee's knees. Petiant Naturel is a reminder to my listeners, if you didn't hear the episode on sparkling wine from season one, go back and listen, but... It's when you make a sparkling wine, but you put the wine into the bottle before the fermentation is complete. And so instead of a wine going through two full fermentations, like a champagne or a cremant, one to convert the sugar to alcohol and then one to make it sparkling, the Petiant Naturel goes through almost like one and a half. So it's like, mm, I'm like a little bit sparkling. I like to have fun. I usually have a pop top and sometimes I'm explosive. And I'm always unfiltered and I'm always unfined. So yes, Petion Naturels are usually more on the natural wine spectrum if you want to get into the brass tacks of it. Um, but that doesn't mean they're crunchy and weird. They're usually pretty fun, elegant, awesome. So Shannon Blanc, she's a real chameleon, huh? She can be all kinds of things. And as far as food pairings, before I dig deep into my favorite place for Shannon Blanc, I think... Probably trout almondine would be one of my favorite pairings with Chenin Blanc. Trout almondine is a French dish where you get ocean trout, or I guess you could get river trout, filet, you pan sear, skin on, and then you make this like brown butter sauce with toasted shaved almonds, lemon segments, dill. It's absolutely mind-blowingly beautiful. Um, so I love that, and I love that heavenly dish with white wine. We actually serve it at Son of a Gun, one of our restaurants, if you're in Los Angeles. It's my favorite version. And what we do is we add some little chopped up asparagus as well and rice. Heaven. Anyway, outside of trout almondine, I think um, the other thing Chenin Blanc really loves in this time of year, spring going into summer, is squash. And one of my favorite things to make that Vinny actually inspired me to make is this like squash, uh, shaved squash salad. So you get like baby squashes. You could have a zucchini and then like a little yellow squash and you get like a little assortment and you shave them thin on a mandolin and you put in like freshly picked basil and you put in big shaved chunks of Parmesan cheese and you make like a really subtle, nice, maybe Meyer lemon champagne vinegar, like loose vinaigrette, mostly olive oil, 
lot of fresh cracked black pepper and salt. And it's it's just so delicious. And then you could garnish it with like a couple slices of some heirloom tomatoes. But that would love Chenin Blanc, little friend to hang out with. Um, and then I also love Vietnamese food with Chenin Blanc. But anyway, where are you going to get this dope-ass Chenin Blanc? I got to say, my favorites of all time are always from the Loire Valley. Now, France was my hand. It's the palm of my hand. The Loire Valley is the winemaking area that bisects my palm. It runs east to west all along a river, starting in an area called Nantes on the west central coast of France and then shooting all the way east. My favorite, favorite areas for Chenin Blanc, well, I have three, okay, and I'll rank them. No, I won't, I won't rank them. But my favorite areas are Samor, in, in the Loire Valley, Vouvray, and Anjou. Now, let's go in reverse order. Anjou is awesome. I have my favorite producers. I think Moss still does an amazing job. Their wines are always transportive. The sons have taken over from the domain. Their parents are still involved, but the wines are just getting next level and they're so clean and really pretty and they're natural wines, but like they're not trying to like fight you. Um, really masters of the craft. Vouvray is amazing. It's a little bit more elevated. Oftentimes Vouvrays are expensive. And the other thing you got to be careful of with a Vouvray is that they're not always dry so, and they don't always say if they're sweet or if they're dry. So they're kind of sneaky. They're, there's a little satellite area near Vouvray called Jasneres that's the same way. You don't know sometimes when you pick a bottle of that up whether it's going to be sweet or should it, is it dry. Should I stay or should I go? I don't know. So Vouvray is dope and it has like a little bridge and it's connected to another area called Mont-Louis-sur-Loire. And when you see these names and when you hear me talking about Samour, Jasneres, Mont-Louis-sur-Loire, Vouvray, the only white wine that we're really talking about from these areas areas is made from Chenin Blanc always. But because they're different areas with different uh, exposures, elevations, terroir, terroir is expressing itself differently. So each one of the wines from these places has a different sort of flavor, color, style, characteristic. I love the wines um, from Lagrange to Fane, and they're based in, across from Vouvray in Mont-Louis-sur-Loire. And actually my favorite wine, the Cleft au Sol, which is, it's amazing. It's absolutely bananagrams. They actually grow most of the grapes in Vouvray, but they don't call it Vouvray because they blend it with some of the Mont-Louis-sur-Loire Chenin Blanc. That is Chenin Blanc that will take you on a journey that you never want to end, like the never-ending story animal that you could ride around the universe forever as a child in your imagination. Last but not least is Samor. Samor is home to these like three badass, top dog, heavy-hitting producers that I adore and admire. Also as a sidebar, when you're having red wine from these areas, it's always Cabernet Franc. But we're not really in Cabernet Franc season. I love Cab Franc, but I'm just going to talk about the Chenin Blanc right now. So Samor is super special because it has this one area in Samor called the Hill of Breze. Now, when you're in Samor, it's, everything's really, really flat. And you could look around and it's just like farms and it's flat and it's very, very rural. It's not that like rolling hilly France like it gets in the southwest or even up in like the Rhone Valley. It's flat. But then you're in Samoa and you look off in the distance and you kind of see this soft mound emerge and it's pretty big. And that is the Hill of Breze. 
And there's one chateau that's at the top there, this like epic white house. It's called the Chateau de Brazé. But there's vineyard sites that are all on this like hill plateau because it's not just a continuous hill going up. It goes up and then it levels out for several hectare. And on this plot, there's a very large diversity of terroir and different soil types. So the winemakers who make wine on the Hill of Brazé are really obsessed with identifying each different parcel, which they would call a clos. You call that a clos in France, um, like clos de midi. And it would be like, here's one area and all the vines are from this area if you put that on your label. So the three producers who make wine on Brazé um, are Clos Rougeard, is so good and I can barely get any of it. So if you ever see Clos Rougeard, just buy it. Just like spend the money. It's amazing. Guiberto, Roland Guiberto, he's like the badass guy of S'more, wearing hot pink sweaters. He's cool. And then last but not least, Arnaud Lambert, who quietly has this passion and intelligence that is all consuming when you are there talking to him about S'more. And he's actually someone who has really pioneered separating out all of his wines and vinifying separate clothes from the hill of Brezé to show all the different expressions. In fact, I saw him two days ago. He was in Los Angeles visiting me. And well, he wasn't just visiting me, but when I saw him, he was visiting me in my wine shop on Fairfax, Helen's Wines, what, what? And we tasted through eight different Chenin Blanc that were all from the Hill of Brazé, but all from different parcels of land. And let me tell you, each one tasted different. And each one, it was like hard to pick my favorite. One was like more like a rushing ocean, luscious, more powerful. And then one was like way higher in acidity and lean and green, but like in this really refreshing way with more, more acid that you could feel in the back corners of your mouth. Anyway, Arnaud and his wife are just two of the most lovely humans on the planet. And I think I would just love to thank him for taking the time to really accentuate and highlight the terroir of that area. For those of you who are familiar with my wine shop, if you live in LA, the Samor Blanc from Clos de Midi from Arnaud Lambert. So it's all Chenin Blanc, made in Samor, made on the hill of Brezé, and it's all from one parcel called the Clos de Midi. This wine has been like a staple in my life for many years. And for those of you who email or call me or put an order and they say, we trust you, we just want a delicious white wine, I oftentimes send the Clos de Midi. And you know what? People love it. Apparently, even Kourtney Kardashian loves it because she linked to that wine on Poosh, <laughs> her new newsletter. She linked that wine to my website. They actually got all the photos from my website. I was like getting texts left and right. Like, what are you, you consulting for the Kardashians now? I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about, but turned out to be a pretty cool thing. Courtney, let me know. You want to come on wine face? I got you girl. So Samora is really, really special, super, super special. And I think part of it and a lot of it has to do with the Hill of Brezé. It's a magical place. I definitely recommend going there. And all you just need to do is walk the Hill of Brezé with a glass of Chenin Blanc in your hand. Kind of brings me to the other thing I wanted to talk about today. I want to start talking about 
intermittently because in the psalm world we're we're always like tasting wine or you're around people tasting wine and then people start using different adjectives it's kind of like when people start to you know think of different cultural isms or sayings that like capture a moment or a vibe like YOLO even though that's an acronym I can't really think of a better one but something like that or even like Cardi B going okay I love that she is a feminist queen um I like talking about wine terms that are new and sort of floating around in my stratosphere to kind of help people feel comfortable getting back into it so it's a new term Thursday we're breaking down some new terms the two terms I want to talk about are tonic and tang. So let's start with tonic. Everyone's going to think like gin and tonic, but that's not really what I'm talking about. When I was in Paris the other week, uh, I was with my friend Marco Pelletier and we were blind tasting. For those of you who don't know, blind tasting is when someone pours wine in your glass. You have to smell it, decode it, understand it without knowing what the wine is and try and guess what the grape is and where it's from and what the vintage is. Anyway, I don't do this a lot, but it was really fun. But we were blind tasting natural wine, which is even harder because it's not necessarily varietal specific. I mean, we should do a whole episode on blind tasting because it would be so much fun. But we were tasting this one wine that was like this absolutely beautiful Grenache Blanc with Carignan in it. And it was an orange wine. And he was like, you know, this wine has tonic. It's it's got tonic. And I was like, what is tonic? And he was like, you know, when it has that tonic feeling, like it's like tonic. And he couldn't really break down, like tonic couldn't actually be decoded into a Webster definition. But to me, here's what tonic is. So (laughs) to all the people out there drinking wine this weekend or whatever day it is that you're listening to this podcast, here's what I think tonic means. It's a bottle of wine or a glass of wine that has a wild element to it that's uncharacteristic to that grape. It's alive in the glass. It's energetic. It's not flabby. It has spirit. It's not heavy. It's not too light. And it almost could like take off like a rocket ship. Now, I know those are all vibey things, but let's try and pin down some (laughs) wines that are tonic. So if you drink a wine and you think it's tonic, please DM me at Helen's Wines with a photo of that bottle. And if I agree, I'm going to post it online, tonic wines. The other term that I've been hearing floating around is tang. Now, when I think tang, I think of the camping trips I would go on as a kid. And for some reason, we always had tang. And I always thought it was so weird that like I wasn't allowed to eat any junk food or anything like that. But all of a sudden, I could have like liquid, soluble, powdery, sugary, orange tang. And I could also have instant Lipton noodles with a creamy cheese sauce. Like I was like, this is heaven. But tang. Um, So the way I've been using tang is in relationship to a flaw that is a result in natural wine of many causes. We talked about, um, we've talked about it before, but I think we need to do a whole volatile acidity breakdown. Um, But tang to me is when a wine has a tinge. It has a little bit of that volatile acidity that's like sneaking up on you and bringing an essence of tanginess into the wine. So 
That's what I got for you today, tonic and tang. And there's no right answers, so let's start using them in a positive way and see what wines we come up with. Anyway, this is Wine Face, guys, my podcast. Today we're breaking down Chenin Blanc, trying to get into it, trying to blow the lid off of it. If you want recommendations for my favorite Chenin Blancs, go to HelensWines.com. You go to shop now, just pump in those words, Chenin Blanc. Every single wine that's on that website, those are my favorites. They're my babies. I don't buy a wine I don't like or don't taste. This is Wine Face. Thank you so much. Please review, rate, subscribe. I want to hear from you. DM me at Helen's Wines anytime. Thank you. I'm out.